We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. You can follow me on the tweet machine, at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Sad time, sad time. No longer verified on Twitter. Elon. That was cold, brother. Elon, that was cold. Uh, Anyway, Chris, talk to him. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd-206. Chris, this is one of my favorite times of the year where after the, the draft is over, the Seahawks did their thing, and me and you don't have to really dive too deep into it because we have the best in the business joining us on the show to talk about the Seahawks 2023 NFL draft class. We have NFL draft analyst for The Athletic, producer of The Beast on The Athletic, the best draft guide there is. Dane Brugler is back on the show with us. Dane, welcome back, sir. I have to agree with you. My my favorite time of year is uh, right after the draft as well, because uh, that means uh, all the work has been put in. Instead of uh, you know guessing where these guys are going to end up, we're reflecting on where where they did go, and that that's a lot of fun. Um, as much as I love the process, I, I do also love this part of the calendar where we can kind of take a, a step back, look at okay, who did how did each draft class come together? What was their thought process? What's the fit? And, uh, you know, how these guys will mix. And so it's, uh, you know, it's uh, going to be a really fun conversation. It's been a while since we chatted with you. Last time we had you on was in 2021, 2022, obviously. There's a lot going on. But they only had three picks in 2021. This year, they had 10 guys. And overall, I just want to know, how would you grade this 23 Seahawks draft class? I was a fan, big fan. And obviously, uh, you know, 
with multiple picks early, you're going to have a higher chance of getting good players. Um, I don't do draft grades, but what I do is I rank one through 32, my favorite draft classes and Seattle came in at number four for me. Uh, mm. and, and again, with, with two first round picks and, uh, you know, a, a bunch of other high picks, I mean, you're, there's a good chance you're going to end up high on those because you're getting better players. But, you know, I, I just thought they hit a home run with what they did. Uh, you know, in my seven round mock draft, uh, that I came out with uh, a couple weeks ago, I I just love the fit of JSN at 20. I mean, that was one that just, it made so much sense. It just, it, it's one of those that you wanted to mock it into existence because you want to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what, it, that's how it played out. I, I did think Smith and Jigba would go ahead I, I, somewhere 11 to 20. That's where he was expected to go. Um, I didn't think he would make it all the way to 20, um, but, you know, it turns out he did. And, uh, you know, they got a heck of a player. And, you know, really, I mean, you could go round by round and look at and understand the process. Um, and you're getting a really good player, even if uh, maybe a few of the picks were a surprise. Uh, but, you know, that's OK. That's why we love the draft. It's not, it doesn't always go chalk. Sometimes uh, teams keep us on our toes and uh, make some surprise picks. And, uh, you know, that definitely happened a few times this year. Speaking of surprises, were you surprised that the Seahawks skipped on Jalen Carter at five, especially considering he was available there and they didn't take him? I, I don't know that I was surprised just because I, I was open for anything with Jalen Carter because he was such a wild card. Um, you know, he, the talent is undeniable. Um, the block destruction, uh, his ability to win in different ways, um, not only being quick and powerful, but also skilled just uh it's a very rare package of traits but obviously the off field the maturity concerns that lingers and that's something that not everybody was comfortable with and so i, I nothing was really going to surprise me with jalen carter um now was i surprised they ended up going corner yes definitely i, I over, a corner over uh you know you think about like tyree wilson was there um you know you think about uh all the different directions that could have gone Corner was not one of those that I thought uh, was a realistic possibility for them. And, you know, again, this is so what Pete and John, they've been leading this uh, franchise for 14 years now. And their 14th draft together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is the first time they drafted a a corner in the first round. And this is after one year after they hit on two day three corners last year. And, you know, you feel like it's a position that they, if there was ever a position they don't have to draft early, it's corner because especially this year, it's a deep, deep group. They wanted to add another corner. They could have waited until the third, fourth round to do so. This just is all about the player at six uh, or uh, at five and Devin Witherspoon and how much they liked him. So the fact that they drafted Witherspoon was more of a surprise for me than they passed on Carter. Let's talk about Devin, who's – his name is going to throw me off all year just because it's D-V- D-E-V-O-N. It looks like Devon. Uh, but anyway, I picked him number five out of, out of Illinois. Um, there's a lot we could talk about with this guy. But as I've watched a little bit of film on him since the, the draft, I want to know your feeling on what Seattle is getting on Devin, specifically as a coverage guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, he can play press. You know, he's very patient in press, uh, does a nice job staying on top of routes. He can play off coverage. Um, his, his ability to click and close is outstanding. Uh, you, you know, we throw around the term instincts with corners and, and defensive backs. Um, and sometimes it's hard to necessarily articulate what you mean, but when you say instincts, 
with with Witherspoon, it's pretty easy when you watch him. You see those instincts. Uh, it, it leads to ball production. Uh, you know, he had 17 passes defended as a senior. Um, you know, he's uh, he, he's very very aggressive. But at the same time, he's responsible with his aggressiveness. Like, you know, he doesn't take himself out of place necessarily. He trusts his eyes and he, he's very he, he's aggressive, but he does it responsibly. So uh, the aggressiveness that he plays with, uh, the instincts, the ball awareness, his understanding of spatial relationships um, it is really, really impressive. So man zone off coverage, you want him to jam. He can do all these things. Uh, he, he is really a complete corner and that that's, that's obviously what you want. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you make a defensive coordinator change. It doesn't matter if you make a schematic change. Uh, you want guys that you could leave on the field in any situation. You want to play inside? I, he could do that. No problem. You want to play outside? He can match up even though he is under six foot and, you know, he's only 185 pounds. Um, and he's probably not getting much bigger than that. So, you, have, you know, the size wasn't ideal, not elite for a top five pick. But everything else you just love about him. And the, and the fact that uh, he ran a 4-4-3 at his pro day um, just, you know, a couple of weeks before the draft, that was kind of the cherry on top. I'm sure that was kind of like the, you know, the Seahawks loved him on film, loved everything else about him. Um, but then he ran a 4-4-3 and say, like, okay, you know, that's just uh, check that box. We, we feel great about him. After the draft, like Pete Carroll just – I don't know if he could give a higher compliment strangely to a corner by comparing his instincts that you mentioned to Troy Polamalu and he compared him to Jamal Adams, two guys that you just see causing hell, usually at the line of scrimmage with their just the way they can just time stuff up. I was, I was watching a little bit of Devin as a play in the Michigan game where a guy goes in motion and Devin doesn't follow him. And it just so happens that right at the snap, he just smokes the running back number 23, whoever that is tough cat. Cause Devin smoked him. Um, a couple times. Is there are there any corners that you because Pete used two safeties to compare that instinctual stuff? Any corners maybe that you've seen with that same type of instincts and anticipation? Um, you know, I, I think uh, you know Denzel Ward, uh, Ohio State, you know, one of the highest paid corners in the league. You, you see some of those flashes. I, I think Ward um, hasn't been uh, maybe as consistent, but you see the speed, you see the quick reaction. Um, and, and that's what you see with Witherspoon. This is a guy that the drive quickness that he plays with um, and the ability to play all those different coverages and having the awareness and the uh, the eye balance. That, that's something that's so big with corners. You you have to have just there's confident and then there's cornerback confidence. Like you have right. to be even more confident than most other positions. And that's what he has. You know, he's. You know, some corners, they'll lock on the receiver and they they just they won't look and try to find the football because they're too afraid to stop looking at the receiver and, and finding where he is. Um, others will get stuck on the ball and the quarterback and they lose sight of the receiver. Witherspoon does a great job with his eye balance. So he's keeping an eye on both the receiver, the route, the route combination, and also the quarterback, the backfield, and the ball. Uh, his ability to balance all of that is really, really impressive. I mean, it, it takes... Not all, not only the vision, but that that confidence that I'm talking about to, uh, to trust yourself to to keep that maintain those relationships, those spatial relationships, and then trust what your eyes are telling you. Process everything in a split second to have that reaction quickness to go. So yeah, you see that all over his film, and I, I think that maybe like a like a Denzel Ward, you can see, uh, see some of that with Cleveland Browns. Chris, that's a new one for us. Eye balance, right? That is, I've I, never. I, I, Ooh, I like that. It makes sense, though, Dan. That's right. That's yeah. 
Yeah, and you're right, Dan. Cornerback confidence is just a different level of confidence on the field, man. You people give corners his shit on Twitter and on the press box in Seattle when uh when the ball gets thrown over a guy's head and the corner goes like he waves like it's the incomplete and like why does he didn't do anything? It's like you guys don't understand. Corners are just wired different, and that corner's mind he forced <laughs> that incompletion because <laughs> that's, that's just how their that's just how their brains work. Yeah. Uh, last last thing on Devin, he's gonna have high expectations not because of the, just the draft status because he's around the same spot Sauce just went in terms of pick. He's playing opposite Tariq, who just balled out as a fifth-round pick. Um, so do you see, just with all those expectations in mind, do you see a guy who could maybe match what Sauce or what Tariq was able to do as a rookie last season? Well, obviously those two guys, uh, you know, they found the football, you know, and they got those interceptions. And, you know, can, can Witherspoon make the same type of impact uh, in the stat sheet that that will it'll be a big thing for him. But, you know, he has the talent to match up. Um, I the, obviously the big difference between Witherspoon and those guys, the size. Uh, and so can Witherspoon from day one. I mean, I I'm not worried about the tenacity, the, you know, the ability to match up in terms of uh, like on a competitive, the competitive mentality. But just size wise, obviously, it's a different thing having to go up and, you know, face some, you know, a Mike Evans or, you know, some of the bigger receivers in the NFL when, you know, you're under six foot and you, there's only so much you can do. So um, how he adapts to NFL wide receivers, that's obviously a little bit of an unknown at this point. But if he comes out and has a season that's close to sauce, I don't think that'd be too surprising. He has all, all the talent, and all the ingredients to do so. And uh, Dane, Chris and I, this might as well be called the Jackson Smith and Jigba to Seattle fan club ahead of the draft. We were just just huge, huge. Like you talk about mocking it to make it happen. I had to talk myself into other picks at 20. Because, you know, <laughs> at the Athletic, we do so many mocks. I did like five. Yeah. You know, I can't just keep picking, you know, Jackson. You know, we're trying to sell subscriptions. But I was just like, I kept landing at 20. Like, yeah. shit, if he's there, why would you take anyone else? Um, we've Me and Chris have talked about why we love uh, the pick for Seattle. Why, why do you love the fit with Jackson's uh, skill set, with what Geno does, and what we've seen the offense look like uh, under Shane Waldron in Seattle? Yeah, and obviously they, they've been missing that that reliable third wide receiver option. Uh, they just haven't been able to find it behind DK and, and Tyler uh, Lockett. So um, you know, think about what that offense could look like where you drop in a dependable slot, a guy that is going to force defenses to really game plan for him. Uh, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's exactly what he does best. Uh, there's a lot of debate about, okay, is he a slot only? Can he play outside? And I, I think he can, but you want this guy in space. That That's what he does really, really well as a route runner. Is, and he's so skilled. I mean, you think about all the – uh, wide receiver talent that CJ Stroud has played with from, you know, Garrett Wilson to Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr., all these guys. I mean, he says pretty clearly Jackson's the best route runner he's ever played with in his life. Um, so high <laughs> praise coming from his quarterback. Um, this is a guy that knows how to uncover and that's half the battle. Um, and, and the ball skills are terrific. And I, I just keep coming back to, cause I struggled with the Smith and Jigba evaluation. I, um, you know, I know some teams had like a third round grade on him, um, teams that don't value slot. Um, I, he's not a burner. I mean, I could throw on the tape where a linebacker catches him from behind. Obviously not ideal. Uh, but I keep coming back to two things. When you scout the receiver position, it, there, there's a million different things, that criteria you could go by. 
but it comes down to two things. Can you get open? Can you catch the football? And Smith and Jigba does those two things at a very, very high level. And if you're going to start with those two things, that that's a great place to start because again, he can uncover because of his route running that short area agility is outstanding. He understands how to set up defensive backs. Um, and even after the catch, he, he has a really sixth sense for, uh, you know, as soon as he catches the ball, he knows everything around him. He has such an awareness for where defenders are, where those pursuit angles are coming from. So even though he's not a burner where he's just going to run away from guys, he has that awareness to maximize uh, those plays after the catch. I mean, you don't want to always go back to that bowl game against Utah, but that put everything on full display uh, from the tracking and ball skills to the route running to the ability to to skirt defenders after the catch. So, no, I'm with you guys. I mean, this is uh, this is one of those fits that just made a ton of sense. One of the my most uh, the most favorite fits in the entire draft. And it's going to be really fun to see how it plays out. You, you know, Gino, wherever Gino was watching the draft, he was fist bumping when that, that oh, yeah. pick was made. Absolutely. And I compared him, just his style and his ability to get open and route running to Amal Ross St. Brown, who the Seahawks mm-hmm. actually could have drafted a few years ago, but yep. skipped on. I want to know your thoughts, Dane. Is this, am I seeing the right thing with Amal Ross St. Brown and JSN, or do you have another? player that think fits the mold even better than what what JSN is offering to the Seahawks coming up this season. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I, I think that when you look at uh what's a Brown, what what he does uh you know best in terms of working from the slot and really stressing defenses uh because of the way that he can create mismatches. Uh you know, whether he's lined up against a nickel or a safety um, you know, using the entire middle of the field, but also being able to stretch and, you know, he can run a, a corner route. He can run a post route. I mean, he, you can do so many different things with that. Uh, or just, you know, let him run a, a screen, get up the ball in his hands and, you know, let him go make something happen. Um, I, I think maybe he has just a little bit more, uh, maybe he's a little more dangerous with the ball in his hands than Smith and Jigba is. But I think in terms of style and fit, I, I do think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, and then also real quick, actually I'll save it. Go ahead, Mike. Are we going? Are we going to? Are we moving to running back now? Because you threw some oh. shade at me in our little pre-draft notes. This was this is crazy shade. <laughs> Go ahead. I want you to re- ask the question the way you have it in our Google Doc, so I can oh, address no. shade here. Not a problem. So Mike may not like where the Seahawks drafted this next pick, and that's Zach Charbonnet. And Mike is big on the value of the running back, where you can get Zach. And great. I understand where Mike is going at with that. But for me, I thought it was a great pick because I think he's going to be a playmaker. And at this point, the Seahawks only had two guys at running back, DJ Dallas and Ken Walker. To Mm -hmm. add Zach Charbon, I'm thinking this is money. I don't care if they got him at 37 overall. Mike would tell you, oh, you could wait and get him later on. My question is, Am I crazy to think that Zach's going to come in and be the playmaker that he was at UCLA and create a dynamic offense when out with JSN, DK, Tyler, and then have this guy coming out, hopefully hitting in on some screens? But I just want to know, am I losing my mind for thinking that he's going to be a crazy playmaker within that offense? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, I love Zach Charbonnet. I, mean, I, I have no questions about the player. I, my questions are about... Just how what's the offense going to look like? You know, how are they going to deploy these two guys? Are we going to see more, uh, you know, uh, 21 personnel? Um, you know, are we going to is this really going to be just a, a workload uh, where, where they just they share the carries? How is this going to work? That is going to because to me, the answer is a T kind of like a TBD, you know, because I, I again, I love the player. It's just a matter of what does the vision look like? And, you know, I, Charbonnet is a better player in the passing game than Walker is. Um, the, the way I kind of look at it is Walker is going to be your home run hitter. Like, you know, he has that speed element, uh, the ability to make guys miss. Uh, you know, it doesn't, the run design doesn't always go according to plan, but that's all right. Let, uh, uh, let Walker do his thing and he's going to pick up these chunk yardage. Where with Charbonnet, he doesn't have nearly that type of speed or dynamic ability, but he is better with the running back specific traits, the ancillary things, talking about tempo and pacing and vision, um, and then also catching the ball out of the backfield. That's going to be a big part of what Charbonnet brings to this offense. So your home run hitters, Walker, your doubles hitter is Charbonnet. And how they complement each other within the structure of this offense is something that I I cannot wait to see. Uh, you know, you just added, we just got done talking about Smith and Jigba and how that's going to help the passing game. What is this going to do for the running game? I, I, I'm really interested to find out. I, I know Seattle's offense went from must-see to, okay, drop what I'm doing and I'm watching them no matter what because I, I'm really eager to find out how this all works. Not so much shade, Mike, but I feel you. I'm going to read the go because Chris didn't want to. The question says, Mike may not like where the Seahawks drafted him, but I don't care. Am I wrong <laughs> for thinking Zach Charbonnet is going to come in and be a playmaker with the Seahawks as he was at UCLA? The shade is that it implies that Mike doesn't think that Charbonnet will, will ball out. He was, he was picked 52. I do think he will ball out. It will be like you said, Dane. Ken making the big plays, dancing, and then when they need someone to just run through someone's face for a first down on third three or whatever, they'll probably go to Zach because Ken did a lot of dancing last year, yeah. um, and he he had a lot of plays that were negative or for zero yards because it was you know we're run, they're running power and he's wanting to bounce it outside and it's like come on no 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 <laughs> get, get what's there brother like yep. figure, figure that out and Zach won't have, from what I've seen you know more Zach won't have that issue just like he'll he'll get. 
he'll get downhill when when need be. So I get that clear, man. I like Zach. I like the pick. I just selfishly value. I would have liked him to beforehand trade up for Keanu Benton, who I think the Steelers took like three picks ahead. That's the defensive tackle from Wisconsin. Or when when Keanu was gone, take Byron Young, defensive tackle from Alabama. Those are the two guys that I like. I think the Raiders grabbed Byron with pick 69 um, a little later. So that's why I was a little, I was like, ah, do we need a running back here? You know, not and that's really. why I said may not like where the Seahawks drafted him. I don't care though. <laughs> I, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. I do think Zach will ball out though. I just think the one yeah. two punch, he's what they need after Ken was doing all that dancing and having all those negative runs. They do need someone who's just like, hey man, this is, we're going to run power. Yeah. So run power <laughs> right here. Sometimes it really is just, just that simple. That's all I want to throw out there. I did have a quick follow up on JSN. And that is, I know we're going back to him after we just talked about Zach Charbonnet and running back, but where can, where do you want to see improvements at the next level for JSN? especially with the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I think part of part of it is, can he work outside? Can he beat press? Um, that'll be a big thing uh, for him, uh, just proving that he can do it. So he's not uh, labeled as that slot only. Um, now, it's okay if you're best in the slot, but to not be slot only, that that's a big deal for him. So showing that he can beat press um, and really f- take on physical corners, uh, that'll be a big thing that will dictate how exactly he's used. So we know he has the technique, the footwork to do it, the short area quickness. Does he have the physicality to match up with outside corners in the NFL and still get open? Um, that, that, that'll be a big thing that I'll be looking for with JSN. Got it. Okay. Let's look at the Seahawks second round 37 pick overall. And that's Derek Hall. Overall, do you think he is a good fit with the Seahawks and what he brings to the table? Yeah, and Derek Hall is uh, one of those scheme-diverse guys where I don't care what you're running, uh, he, he's going to help your pass rush. You want him to stand up, he can do it. Hand on the ground, he can do it. Uh, you want him uh, wide nine, he could do it. Tightly aligned uh, to the tackle, he can do it. Um, 6'3", 255 pounds. Uh, one of the, and this is also a theme with the Seahawks draft with these first four picks. You talk about high-character guys who love football. Devin Witherspoon... obviously, I mean, it's as you can tell just from the tape, how much he loves football. JSN, no questions there. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, uh, this guy is in terms of work ethic, top 10 in the draft, probably Uh, just the coaches rave about uh, Charbonnet and just how much work he puts in. And then Derek Hall, uh, this guy, I I had some scouts tell me that, Hey, I'd put him in, in your first round mock. Because some teams are looking at Derek Hall and saying, like, yeah, he maybe he maybe this other guy is a little more talented, maybe a little more gifted, but we know exactly what we're getting with Derek Hall, the person and the player. This guy will run through a brick wall for you. He's uh, you know bring going to bring it every single day. He is a true leader, team captain, um, and you know that's been a theme with these first four Seattle picks. Um, But with uh, you know on the field skill set. Is he a guy that has a fully formed plan with his, especially with his counters and secondary moves? Not so much. I mean, he is a guy that wants to go, 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 rush down the middle, uh, just win with energy and speed. And a lot of times that works. I mean, it, you you do that enough, sooner or later you're going to get home. Uh, now, if he can develop some more of the secondary stuff, so he's setting up blockers and he's, 
uh, transitioning and, and sequencing his rush moves, uh, that's that's where he could really be dangerous and uh, even be better than we thought. So uh, this is just you're adding another bullet to the gun with a guy like this on your pass rush. And like I said, scheme diverse. Uh, doesn't matter what you want to do out there. He, he's going to help you get better. Yeah, the interesting thing with Seattle's pass rushers that we've seen, also kind of funny, um, the Seahawks' top four pass rushers this year will probably be Daryl Taylor, Chenna Nuosu, uh, Boye Mafe, and now Derek Hall. They're all, like, picked within, like, 15 yeah. picks of each other, I think. Day like, two, yeah. Yeah, they're all, like, I think Chenna was the earliest at pick 40, and I think mm-hmm. Derek, who's the late? I think Daryl Taylor might be the latest at, like, pick 48. They're all just right in that range, similar builds, uh, although – uh, Derek looks like a Spartan. Like you can see that on tape when he's got pads on. This dude is yoked up. But let's say that just in year one, the way that Derek won rushing the passer with the speed to power, let's say that's just the he doesn't develop those moves until later years. If that's all he has year one, do you think he's good enough at that converting speed to power and rushing the passer to be effective as a rookie? Effective meaning, um, you know, he's going to give you, say, Seven and a half sacks. Uh, yeah, I think you can. Uh, a guy that's that going to Yeah, I, I think he'll, you know, uh, you know, not every he's not going to get a sack every game, but every other game working as uh, even if he's working as a sub rusher, you know, I think he's he can give you that because again, I think with, with the speed that he brings and uh, those long arm moves, the the arm over moves, uh, and the energy. I mean, he just just doesn't quit. So I, I no, I think he has that ability, and that that's why you draft him as high as you did uh, because, you know, you, you feel like he's going to be a, an immediate contributor in, in your rotation. So, yeah, it's really interesting how their, their, their rush uh, depth chart is kind of made up and it'll be interesting to see how they use these guys. You know, are they going to, is it going to be a true rotation or are they going to really rely on one or more of these guys? And so um, adding Hall to the mix definitely makes them better. You alluded to this earlier in the show about the 2023 NFL draft team by team rankings that you wrote best and worst classes, one through 32 Seahawks coming at number four. And I saw your day three pick who could surprise is guard Anthony Bradford. Can you share with the audience what makes him a potential surprise for the Seahawks? Uh, I mean, he fits exactly what the Seahawks want uh, with their interior blockers, right? That wide-bodied, uh, strong, it has a, it can be a mauler when he needs to be, but he's also athletic for that size. Uh, he's just, he's inconsistent right now because he's young. You know, he literally turned 22 years old over the weekend. Um, you know, he has the strength in the run game where he can be a people mover, uh, but, you know, needs to be more consistent with his angles needs to be more consistent with his leverage, but these are coachable things. These are fixable things. It's, uh, you know, more about experience than it's, it's, it's more about inexperience than the lack of ability. You know, he didn't have, he had 17 starts in his career, uh, at LSU. So he wasn't a guy that, and, and some of those came at tackle where, you know, he wasn't a natural, he, he's more of a guard and interior player. So, you know, once he continues to get more coaching, more reps, um, I do think it, you know, there, there's going to be a learning period for him where he's going to have to take his lumps. There'll be some rough patches, but uh, you know, in the fourth round to get a talent like this with the upside that he has uh, yeah, the value is outstanding. So um, really like where this guy could be in you know, a year from now, especially two years from now um, just needs to stay off the ground, you know, improve that balance, improve that consistency with his technique. 
So, you know, he can be uh, just just more consistent overall. So I'm uh, I'm very, very bullish on Bradford and and what he could be. I, I thought he might even go day two. I know some teams were eyeing him as a, as a possible pick later in the third round. So I think the Seahawks were, were lucky to get him where they did. Of all the draft buzzwords, and there's many of them, uh, one of my favorites, like if I was like going into the draft, I mean, I'm small, but like Mahler would be like, I would want that on there somewhere. That just seems like it can't ever be wrong that you just fuck people up. That's great. It doesn't really, doesn't really matter what position you play. Like it's not super right. helpful, like long snapper or something, but man, just Mahler is a good junkyard dog. I love yeah. when that's in the scouting report. Junkyard dog is great. I'm drafting all of them dog, junkyard dog. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was in Witherspoon, my my yeah. Witherspoon report. Yeah, I think that it was. was. That, 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 that sums him up. Yeah. Uh, and, and Bradford, I mean, yeah, he, he wants to be a guy that gets his hands on you and puts you where he wants you to go. He wants to redirect. He wants to, uh, you know, be a people mover in the run game. And so, you know, it, it sometimes – you know, it needs to dial it back a little bit and just be more fundamentally sound. But yeah, give me the guys that, that you know, he have some athletic skill, um, but also has the strength to overwhelm defenders and really be a people mover. Yeah, I love it. people mover is also great. Like I'm a <laughs> big fan of the, the draft has so many buzzwords. Some of them are like coded and not as fun to talk about, but like Mauler, junkyard dog. If you ever yeah. see it in some way, it's got a report like, You'd want him. You'd want him on like your 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 uh, pickup team in the park. Oh, Pete yeah. Carroll likes that analogy to use. Like I want guys that I can. If I'm at the at the park, I'm picking him because I know we're, we're either gonna win or we're gonna go down swinging. Um, so that and they that's, got a bunch it. of guys like that um, in this draft. Um, they went heavy on the trenches in day three, not just with with uh, Bradford. They went with you know Olu Olu with Timmy, uh, Cameron Young, Mike Morris, a ton of guys. They beefed up the trenches. A lot of people mocked pretty much every center there was in the big 10 to Seattle at some point, whether it's John Michael Schmitz or Joe Tipman, or I'm missing a kid from Ohio state. His name escapes me right now. Uh, thank you. Thank you guys. Um, there were so many big 10 centers. I couldn't keep track. So they <laughs> go with the guy from Michigan who won a ton of awards there. Um, you know, Olu, he's like the only guy they have really behind Evan Brown who they signed in for agency at center. Do you see like starting caliber traits uh, in this guy, despite him being a late round pick? I personally, I did not. Um, now, if he gets pressed into action, I think he can hold his own. But I don't, in my opinion, my my scouting report was he's never going to be a guy that you're not going to try and upgrade from. Like even if he does end up being a starter, I think you're going to try and you're going to want to upgrade at some point. Um, you know, even though he did, you know, he cleaned up on the award circuit. Uh, the tape was just it was okay. Like I, I when when I'm watching him, I didn't see any displacement. You know, I, I didn't see necessarily power. Like some of those things we said about Bradford, you don't see with Ola with Um, He's a fine mover. He's not a he's not a great athlete, but he's fine. You know, he, he's not a he's not a bad athlete. He's not a slug out there. Uh, but I, I just don't know that it's going to be enough to like. He's really really smart. Um, I, I I think that the A plus character. You know, another again another theme with this draft class that that helps him as a player. But he's a center only, so he doesn't offer you much versatility. And I just, uh, I just question if he has the necessary shock in his hands, uh, the ability to win one on one against NFL caliber defense tackles uh, on a consistent basis. So I, I think it was, you know, I grade him as a fifth, sixth round pick. I, I think it's a fine pick in the fifth round to give you center depth. 
But if he's going to end up being the starter, I'm not sure that's going to be good enough for what you want to do at the position. Which is why other guys were mocked higher. That explains <laughs> that. explains that. Now, I think when you get in the fifth round, guys who just make the team are kind of a win once you start getting at, right. at, at that point. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of the reality of the biz uh, there. I want to talk about another guy in the trenches. I mentioned the defensive tackles I wanted earlier. Defensive tackle was a really interesting position for Seattle this year because like you could have justified them using their top pick with one and taking Jalen Carter, who we discussed earlier. They don't grab one until far, far later in Cameron Young from Mississippi state, mm-hmm. a lot smaller nose tackle. You uh, have him at six, three, three Oh four. That's a big drop from guys like Brian Monet and Al Woods who were playing at, I'll be nice and say three forty, but probably much heavier. Um, how, uh, how does Cameron fit if if he's asked to play, you know, straight up three four nose uh, in Seattle? Uh, when you watch him, the first thing that jumps out is his length. I mean, he is a really long player, and that helps him uh, plug uh, plug up the middle of the field. I mean, he does a really nice job doing that. Uh, and I was kind of surprised how many snaps he plays. I mean, he was on the field constantly, um, and so like for, with some nose tackles. You've got to manage those. He can't play more than 25 snaps a game. I mean, Cameron Young was always on the field and always finding a way to make an impact. So, you know, I, I think that he he looks the part. Uh, maybe he's not that 330 pounds that you see with some nose tackles, but he's really long, and that helps him make plays. Uh, biggest thing I worried about with him is how that length that I'm talking about, sometimes it was a deterrent because he would play high. Uh, not playing with knee bend, his pads are high. Uh, and it's just, it's hard to win blocks when you're not winning with leverage. So that was something that, you know, especially, you know, as a pass rusher, you're not gonna be able to get that bull rush. Um, in terms of achieving angles, blockers are able to get underneath them, turn them, uh, seal off those run lanes. So for Cameron Young, can he play lower? Can he be more consistent with his pad level? Um, and if he can, I, I mean, I see a guy that, can play better than where he was drafted. Uh, I mean, he was what? Uh, he was drafted in the fourth round. I mean, that, that's just right around where I had him graded as a fourth round pick. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he, you know, becomes an important part of the the defensive line rotation. And he has that type of ability. This will be the last one uh, for you. I won't run through all of the rest of the day three picks they had. I'm gonna just let if there's anything that stands out to you about any of the other guys. They took Mike Morris from Michigan, mm-hmm. defensive. They're gonna have him play defensive tackle. Um, he was fifth round pick, one fifty one. Took Jarek Reed the second. I love guys who go by the second instead of junior. It's amazing. Um, Jarek Reed the second. It's kind of safety nickel in the sixth round out of New Mexico. And then they got what sounds like a junkyard dog and Kenny McIntosh running back, uh, pick two thirty seven. Uh, I know you said Anthony Bradford was your favorite day three pick of those uh, of all the class, but of those remaining guys we haven't talked about, is anything unique stand out that you loved? Anything you found out that was cool in the reporting on them? Anything like that? Uh, well, you know, with Kenny McIntosh, um, you were talking earlier about, oh, you know, Charbonnet, you can find those guys later. I mean, McIntosh is kind of that guy who, uh, as a pass catch, if you're looking for an upgrade in the passing game, that's what McIntosh does. That's what he does best uh, is catch the football. Uh, he had some – he had a really weird pre-draft process because his senior bowl was was good. It was fine. Then his combine, his pro day, his testing was well below average. And it's like, okay, what are we – what are we doing? Like this is a tape is pretty good, uh, but his testing is not good at all. So well, where do you, how do you take this all into account? And I, I think as a, 
as a pass catcher specifically, that's where he's going to make his money. So McIntosh, uh, you know, and maybe a guy who can help on special teams as well. Jarek Reed is a guy who uh, really, you know, I, I didn't watch him until maybe like November. And then once I did, it was like, okay, there's, there's something here. I mean, I, this guy flies all over the place. Um, I mean, he, a lot of tackles, uh, he'll, he'll force fumbles. Um, I mean, he, he gets his hands on the football. And so, you know, the versatility that I think he brings is really, really interesting. Uh, special teams, uh, he can be a nickel. He can be, you know, play single high. He can do that. He has the range to do that. So, you know, I, I think that he has, you know, you think about his cornerback background, you think about all the different ways you could utilize him on the back end, uh, because of that, uh, all the, you know, the range and the aggressive read react stuff that he does. But I also, I think on special teams as well. So I did really like that Jared Reed pick um, later in the draft. Yeah. That's one of those undersized, the last two guys that they got Jared and Kenny, they're just that that's junkyard dog fight for everything. All my life I had to fight chip on yeah. my shoulder, the size of a boulder uh, type energy. Now this should be a fun, cause they got a fun class here. They, they've got me hyped for the, for the class, particularly at the top. Oh, yeah. they, they set the bar so high last year, right? That it's like, okay, what are you going to do now? You know, what are you going to do uh, the second year in a row? And I, I mean, they, I, I, I like where they're headed. I mean, it, with the first round, obviously, they, I think they hit two home runs um, in the second round. Even if, you know, you want to debate the, you know, the value, whatever, you still got two good players. And I, I keep coming back to, the, the common theme throughout every pick is that guys, guys are tough guys that love football guys that are, you, you know, you feel like, you know what you're getting. Uh, there's no, uh, you know, we talked about Jalen Carter, maybe being possible, but possibly the pick leading up to the draft, their entire draft was full of non Jalen Carters guys that you don't yeah. have to worry about the maturity. You don't have to worry about the football character. These guys, it, it's ingrained in these guys and just really interesting to see that be a common theme from start to finish. Dane, we thank you so much, man. We know you got to run. We appreciate you giving us the time and giving us some insight on these guys. We are really excited for this season. Is there anything you got to plug, anything you want to add before we let you go? No, I mean, you know, check out my uh, my favorite draft classes. Uh, and I came out with a 2024 mock draft today. Just kind of uh, – <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's a watch list. That, that's it. Think of it as a watch list of here. Here are 32 names for next year. Keep on the radar. Um, and then hey, if you don't have the draft guide yet, go get the, go download the draft guide. It's, uh, you know, all these guys, you can find everything out about them. Um, the undrafted class, uh, you know, and it, it's just, it's a really handy resource to have by your side. So if you don't have the beast yet, make sure you download it on the athletic. There it is. You guys have get thank you beat. so much. No, thank you guys. My pleasure. All right. There he is. Peace. You see, I don't have to drive me up to say that for your mama. Maybe you should smoke some and try the marijuana. I was loving you good. The vibe was straight. Shows you a couple of things and they finish changed. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag. And the color on your lip gave you plenty of Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.